on the air, online, from New York City, border to border, and coast to coast. You're connected with Tom Sullivan. Uh, yes, you are, and thank you for connecting. How are you? Welcome uh, to the big radio show on this Wednesday, 23rd day of March, 2022. My name is Tom Sullivan. So the president has uh, literally less than a minute ago has just touched down in Brussels. So it's um, 9 o'clock at night, 9.06 to be exact. So they are five hours ahead of the East Coast. And... Um, I don't think they're going to do anything tonight that they'll have their big meeting tomorrow. Um, earlier today, Jake Sullivan, the national security advisor for the president, uh, was asked about if he thinks that Ukraine can win this war. He, he, would, he would not. He refused to say that he thinks Ukraine can win. Here's Jake Sullivan. President believe that Ukraine can win a military victory here? What I said was that Russia is never going to take Ukraine away from the Ukrainian people. Is it the policy of this government that Ukraine should win this? It should eject Russia and regain its sovereignty and its freedom. We've said from the outset that we are unwavering in our commitment to Ukraine's sovereignty and territorial integrity within the internationally recognized borders of Ukraine. We remain committed to that as our proposition for this. He would not. He would not answer directly. Do you think Ukraine can win? That's a yes or no question. Well, we believe in the sovereignty of the. Uh, we believe in this. Anyway, Nikki Haley, uh, she's. I, I mean, she's starting to show up more on uh, interviews. So I'm guessing that she's kind of brushing her skills off, getting ready to run for. She's going to run for president. You know she is. In any case, she was asked about them winning, and she says, yeah, they've got to win for democracy. Here's Nikki Haley. This shouldn't be that hard, and winning is hugely important at this point because you're not just winning for Ukraine. You're winning for freedom. You're winning for sovereignty, and we have to do this, and we have to commit, and this goes back to the fact that the Biden administration has been slow to react, slow to speak, slow to act all of those things when we should be in front of this we should be stopping things before they happen we should be preventing war we should be preventing invasions and we should be making sure the world knows that we will stand for freedom every time it's threatened uh, every time everywhere what about that rwanda problem that we uh, ignored seriously with the, this, this is standing up because I'll tell you what people are looking at the, the emotion of the of the women and children and the suffering and the destruction and it's all terrible. War is ugly, and people are dying. But are we going to go defend every nation in the world if they their quote freedom is in, in somehow impaired? And how you define freedom in some other foreign country? Uh, would be an interesting task. So, so Nikki Haley, president's just landed. What should he be trying to accomplish in this emergency NATO meeting? 
Well, I think we need to get, you know, Russia to move back, right? Now, is that going to happen quickly? No. But I think what's really important is I do think it's important that Biden is going to Europe and, and speaking with NATO and the EU and G7. I think that's going to be hugely important. But what does he talk about? They should absolutely talk about getting Ukraine what they've asked for, which is those planes. Make sure they get the planes from Poland. Help Poland facilitate that. Let's get that done. The second thing is get them the humanitarian help they need. These Ukrainians are fighting hard. We've got to make sure that they're getting food and water and aid so that they can continue to keep their strength. Thirdly, we've got to have a strong conversation with our European brothers and sisters about how they become independent from Russia when it comes to energy. Yeah. We've got to talk about liquefied natural gas. We've got to talk about how we can do this quickly. And then lastly, they have to make sure they talk about, one, how they are going to prevent chemical weapons from being used, oh. um, because you shouldn't assume that's not going to happen. You should make sure that happens. And secondly, how you're going to deal with China, because China is helping Russia, and we need to be a part of that. Well, um, Nikki Haley sounds like, um, like Blinken. Well, we need to uh, make sure Russia leaves, uh, gets, uh, push, uh, goes back. You go back home now, Russia. Okay. Uh, we need, uh, yes, uh, the, 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 you know, the uh, NATO, uh, we need to make sure. I, uh, the one part that I listened to her give her, her four checklist of what he needs to do is the one that I guess I'm having trouble with and why I, I get kind of sour grapes about, about Eastern Europe. My goodness, folks. They, they got themselves into this. And they they were um, they did not have rose colored glasses on. They knew exactly what they were doing. They have put themselves into a position of relying upon Russia. They have been unable to stand on their own two feet. So they say, well, let's align with Russia, and we'll get our energy from Russia. We'll get our we won't freeze in the winter time. Oil and gas, and who knows what else they're getting from Russia. And then they turn around to NATO and say, oh, you need to help us. You need to help us. We, we, we actually, we, we did this to ourselves, but you need to come rescue us from ourselves. Are those people going to change? Do you think you're going to change the mentality of the people in those Baltic states? I think the people who recognize the fact that they've been playing fast and loose in a, in a bad neighborhood, have probably already left and moved somewhere else in the world. Because, I mean, I saw a story today about the, the, the people fleeing Ukraine, and there's the group that looked around and saw the, the troops lining up on the border of Ukraine. And they said, uh, there is trouble. Let's get the heck out of Dodge. And they packed their belongings, and they shipped them and got them out. And they're out, and their families are out, and their belongings are out. And they're in some other country. There's the group that waited to see if he would actually invade, and he did. And so they sent the women and the children. The law was changed where men could not leave. And so the women and the children are in other countries right now, mostly the Baltic states. 
Most of them, by the way, there was a reporter today in um, in Warsaw saying that 75% of the refugees that have arrived in Port, uh, Warsaw uh, have already left. They've gone on to some other place, other countries. And then there's the third group. And the third group is this... <laughs> I'm talking to those of you in hurricane country. You know who the you know who you are. There's the group that says, "Oh boy, hurricanes come coming. Let's get the heck out of here." There's the group that says, "Oh man, let's wait to see if it really is going to hit our area." Oh, it looks like it's going to. Uh, then they get out of there. And then there's the group that says, "I'm staying. I'm I'm buckling down here. I'm not leaving. I'm just going to ride it out." And so there are people that are in Ukraine that are riding it out. And now they're in trouble, and they're going, help me. Help me. Well, you had a chance. They showed this guy in Maripol. The city is 90% destroyed. And he was one of those that wanted to write it out. And now he's crying for help. Well, as a humanitarian, you say, let me, let me extend the help to you. You're an idiot, but let me, let me help you. But you got you got to shake your head while you're helping these people. So Nikki says, uh, "Yeah, we uh, the Europeans need to stand up and be strong, and they haven't. And and now this is the consequence of they have let the big bad wolf basically get into their everything, and now he wants he wants to take it over. They let they set this up on a." on a pedestal for the guy. So now she's worried about a chemical attack. Here's Nikki Haley. The second Putin already started talking about labs in Ukraine, we've seen this this movie in Syria where they go and they say that, and then the next thing you know, they use chemical weapons. They use it when they can't get past the resistance, and it wipes out a group of people. We absolutely have to prevent this, and that means they need to be sending that and including our intelligence. We should be sharing intelligence with the Ukrainians so we can let them know when this would be used, where it would be used. Yeah. Uh, so she says, we absolutely need to prevent this chemical attack. How are you going to do that? Unless you're thinking about the 140,000 NATO troops, 100,000 U.S. troops that are right on the border. Is that what you're thinking about? I think that's what they're thinking about. I think they're thinking we're going to get involved. So is this... Um, Cut 23, does that have the, the question and all, or the reaction to it? Um, let's play the thing. This is this was uh, Harris Faulkner was, played this, played this clip. What was that? What'd you say? Oh, no, 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 no. See where I include Harris's question? Okay, let's play this clip and see what this is. Harris Faulkner talking about uh, a clip that Joe Biden said earlier. We are at an inflection point, I believe, in the world economy. Not just the world economy, in the world. It occurs every three or four generations. And now is a time when things are shifting. We're going to, there's going to be a new world order out there. And we've got to lead it. We've got to unite the rest of the free world in doing it. What is he talking about? 
she had no she had no idea what is he talking about yeah every three or four generations you know you get every three or four uh, every three or four generations they have new world order and we're kind of going through that right now kind of doing that now what is he talking about what was he talking about every three or four generations there's a new world order and we're going through it right now oh sorry three or four generations uh new world order going through that right now What is he talking about? Phone number is 855. Seriously, you think we've got a new world order going? 855-295-6600. This is the third time I've called. Should I hold or what do I do? I, I, I was just trying to uh, impersonate the the president. <laughs> and then is third, third world or a new world or third, three or four generation. Is I don't know. I, are you? He, he he can talk clearly. I wonder why he was kind of mumbling. It's got everybody going because of this business about um, the new world order comments. It's kind of reverberating around the world, Um, he said, the world is at an inflection point, one that occurs every three or four generations. As one of of the top military people said to me in a secure meeting the other day, a secure meeting, he said, the other day. So Joe is taking the information he got from a top military person and uh, in a secure meeting is going to tell everybody, he said, no, Joe, you're not supposed to say that out loud. It literally, I'm quoting the president. As one of, as one of the top military people said to me in a secure meeting the other day, 60, 60 million people died between 1900 and 1946. And since then, we've established a liberal world order, and that hadn't happened in a long time. He warned that now the time is uh, when things are shifting. Uh, Furthering his quote, we're going to, there's going to be a new world order out there, and we've got to lead it. And we've got to unite the rest of the free world in doing it. What is the new world order? That he is talking about. 855-295-6600. Let's talk to Mark in uh, Belmont, New Hampshire. Hello, Mark. Hey, how are we doing today? It's an honor to get on doing... the show. First time caller. Well, welcome. Thank you. What's going on? Yeah. Uh, so uh, the, the whole New World Order thing, uh, I mean, I, I've kind of seen this coming from, you know, from a mile away. I 
I posted on a Facebook page of, of mine. Uh, you know, we have all of these global shortages due to, you know, Russia versus Ukraine. Um, you know, it's a fairly, fairly small skirmish. And the only way to control it um, is to is for the new world order to take control of supply chains, to take control of, you know, of, of basically of the global resources. And once you take control of global resources under one umbrella, you can distribute them as necessary. But we but uh, Europe gets a lot of agricultural products uh, from Ukraine. And the and Russia produces a lot of oil for the world. That's it, man. There's not a lot. There's not a lot beyond. I mean, there's other stuff, but it's not. It's not significant compared to China. Well, now, China is a different whole story. Correct, but it's but the 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 conflict between Russia and Ukraine has you know has disrupted. Uh, global sl- supply chains even worse, or I guess not worse than COVID, but they've contributed to the worsening of uh, of supply chains. Um, and so again, I mean, we we have a global bank at this you know at this point. You know, people have kind of been murmuring about new world order for the better part of 20 years. Um, oh, you know, yeah, we're, at least. we're just yeah. we're 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 one step closer, if not you know kind of a triple jump. You know, step closer uh, to to making that happen, and I, well, you know, I I think the first thing of for new world order is to control supply chains and resources, and once you do that, everything else is just going to fall in line. Mark, I Mark, I I'm I'm uh, interested in your comments, but I'm not sure I agree with your assessment that the Russia Ukraine war has disrupted the supply chain, um, oil. From Russia, yeah, and and so we're putting all kinds of sanctions on. I, I don't see that as a big disruption of the supply chain, though. That's where I disagree well, with you. Well, I don't well, even know if I disagree with you. I'm just not so sure that that's that 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 it's doing all that much. But you obviously think it's, it is, correct? Well, it's, it's oil and oil-related products. So okay. you have oil-related products. You have you have fuel. You have fertilizer. You have plastics. You have right. you know you, there's there's a lot of things, you know, right. thousands of, of products that, that come from oil. And when you have other countries that are willing to pay top dollar for refined products or you know oil-related products, you know that 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 has you know has has definitely impacted okay. the global. All right. No, I I I get I get it. It's better. You, that's but I got to hit a break. But I'm glad you explained it. Connect and engage with Tom Sullivan on air, online, on demand. From New York City to the world, Tom Sullivan. Hello, world. So this, um, the the headlines are that uh, the president now has just landed. He's in Brussels. They're having an emergency NATO meeting. Uh, And then from there, he's going to be going over, uh, I don't know if it's tomorrow, probably, uh, to Poland. And, um, but NATO wants to expand. And they're going to expand forces. And they are going to uh, expand troops. NATO leaders are set. Uh, John, is it, it's, it's Jan's 
Stoltenberg, the head of NATO, uh, is acting as the commander of NATO and, and 140,000. He's saying they're getting 140,000 troops to mobilize along the border. 100,000 of the 140,000 are our guys, U.S. So it sounds like they want to be more aggressive, obviously. They are acting more aggressive. And General Keith Kellogg uh, speaks from that school. He says we need to act and not react to Vladimir Putin. We need to stop reacting to Putin. We need to tell them, hey, this is what we're going to do. That's why it's so important today when President Biden goes to Brussels and talks to the NATO alliance. There needs to be some deliverables that come out of that. We need to tell the Russians this is what we will not accept, be it the chemical or biological or nuclear areas, what we're talking about, what you just mentioned on peacekeeping. We should stop reacting to this guy. We should be providing him the MiGs. We should be providing them uh, air defense capability, put an iron dome over at least the western part of Ukraine. But every time we seem to be reacting to him, I've reached a point mm. where, look, we've, he's shown his military to be very weak. It's really an ineffective military, and it's time for NATO, if I may say this, it's time for NATO to man up and say, we're not going to accept certain things and tell them that. Yeah, all right. So there's 140,000 troops, 100,000 are ours. Uh, we're going to man up. It's going to be the U.S. It's going to be we're going to be involved in this war. Uh, part of me says let's do it because uh, all of our people are saying the Russian military looks much weaker than they're, they're 10 inches tall. They're not 10 feet tall. So let's go. Let's go um, spank Russia. Let's go give them a taste of the U.S. military. You willing to do that? Are you willing to test that theory and see? So General Kellogg, uh, like a lot of generals, I mean, he's going. Let's give. Um, let's do something. Let's let's tell Putin what we're going to do. I don't think we need to go forward with our troops to do that, but we are reacting. There's no question we're reacting. And I, I brought this up two days ago. Why are they not shooting into Russia, shooting shells into Russian cities from where they are? Or have cruise missiles from someplace go flying into Russia. If Russia's going to invade Ukraine, Ukraine can fight back by destroying some of the Russian towns. But all this, all of this, no matter which way you want to play this, it's going to turn out to be the war is going to get bigger and expand, and we're going to be involved. This is almost, almost verbatim to the build-up the way we got into World War II. Doesn't have the Japanese attacking Pearl Harbor, but we supplied Europe, we supplied the UK, we supplied them with all kinds of armament and ships and airplanes and and then we were in. So Mark Penn, interesting guy, he um longtime Democrat strategist and pollster, uh he was when Hillary ran in two thousand eight against Obama for the nomination. I believe again in 2016, he was uh, her top strategist. So he's a big Democrat guy, but he is looking at Joe Biden and say, Joe, you need to you need to scare Vladimir Putin. Well, I think he's got to make some changes 
in his policies. I mean, number one, he has to recognize that stopping Putin in Ukraine is in our national interest. It is vital to NATO to do that. And second, I think he's got to give them the jets, which they've asked for. And third, he's got to put down some, <clears throat> some red lines here that if they use nuclear or chemical weapons, expect NATO to come in and save innocent lives. I think he has to put some fear in Putin rather than Putin putting fear in us. I don't think he can scare Putin. I don't think so. I don't think Putin is ever going to be afraid of Joe. Joe Biden is Joe Biden. He's not going to change at this point in his life. And as far as Mark Penn talking about putting down some red lines, it sounds like I wonder if he was the advisor who gave Obama the advice about the red lines that he drew and in the Middle East and said, that's it. You crossed this line. And so the line was crossed and Obama did nothing. Nothing. So if he wants to put down red lines, you got to you, you got to enforce the red lines. So while we've got Mark Penn talking, what about the the polling where we uh just a second, I got this this morning. This is um uh Gallup poll out today with um foreign leadership. What do you think of Biden's foreign leadership? 43% approve, 56% disapprove. Usually people rally around a president in the time of conflict. This has come up from the 30s, but he's at 43% approve of Biden's foreign leadership. That's it. Majority disapprove. So, Mark Penn, why are these poll numbers down? Well, I think initially he was at 50%. I think people were approving that he didn't get us into a war. But ultimately, more people think that if Trump had been president, we, that Putin would not have moved into the Ukraine. And now they see that Biden, they feel, is not really pushing through the crisis. He's not really providing American leadership at a time of global crisis. And he's got to step up to that, or, or the ratings here are going to drag him down along with the rest of the ratings. Yeah. I don't think he can change. I mean, it's, uh, Joe's who he is. So they're going to go to the meeting. And uh, what do you expect to come out of this NATO meeting? It's an emergency meeting. What would you like them to do? Would you like, here's a couple choices. Would you like Joe Biden to say, listen, guys, we've, <laughs> We've given you a billion dollars worth of goods. We have we have gone way beyond what you would have asked for. We're giving you all this armament, state of the art stuff, everything else. Um, kind of, you guys take it from here. It's your it's your problem. Eastern Europe is not our problem. Or do you want them to say, all right? This is what we're going to do. We are going to we're going to get involved. We are going to go in and we're going to whip Russia's army. We're going to teach Vladimir Putin a lesson. Which side are you on? I got it. I'm I'm very honest with you. I go back and forth. I mean, sometimes I'm very tempted I hear all these re stories about the Russian army is so weak. And I don't ever I'm sorry, but I I was taught a long time ago, never underestimate the enemy. Never. So they may look weak. 
I, I don't know what their problem is. And you've got to be careful about what you read because we're getting in, getting our uh, information about the generals that are being killed and people are, are leaving uh, the Kremlin because of their disagreement. So I, I, I go back and forth. On one hand, I want to go spank Russia. On the other hand, I, more than spank him, I'd like to literally go in there and, and embarrass Putin to the nth degree. But the people, he's got the majority of people in Russia. Love the guy. What do you want to do? The phone number here is 855-295-6600. I know what NATO wants to do. Hey, hi, Tom. Listen to oh, almost 20 years and have never once called or emailed you. Well, what took you so long? <laughs> You're with Tom South. Another story today that is giving me pause um, about uh, the Ukrainian government and the corruption that has been there for a long time is a story um, that is uh, the fact that we, we came up with the, with the sanctions, right? The, President Biden came out and said, we're sanctioning all the oligarchs and we're doing this, we're doing that. And I told you yesterday that uh, we, uh, Robert Frank, who reports on the rich and famous, said uh, nobody has actually done anything about uh, Abramovich and his properties here in the U.S. Um, nobody's, nobody's started any sort of sanction. So Wall Street Journal today says, uh, yeah, the U.S. Treasury Department came up with the sanctions. They were going to punish, punish, punish Roman Abramovich. Big, prominent Russian oligarch. So the problem is, is that um, nobody has done anything. And the reason, apparently, according to the journal, the White House's National Security Council, that's Jake Sullivan, told the Treasury to hold off on Abramovich. Why are they not if they if they sanctioned him? Why aren't they doing anything about it? But um, so, I mean, Abramovich has his fingers in a lot of pies, and apparently the reason is that that Zelensky himself, the president of Ukraine, advised President Biden in a phone call to wait on sanctioning the oligarch because Zelensky thinks he might be important in negotiations with Russia for peace negotiations. So Emily Horn, a spokeswoman for the National Security Council, said we're not going to read out private conversations between President Biden and President Zelensky. Why not? State Department spokesman Ned Price declined to, to uh, comment on this regarding the fact that they're not laying sanctions on Abramovich. So is Abramovich uh, some sort of go-between between Zelensky and Putin? Or is this basically Abramovich uh, owns the Ukrainian government and they owe him big time? 
Spokesperson for Abramovich says, for the negotiations and in the interest of them succeeding, uh, as previously stated, based on requests, including from Jewish organizations in Ukraine, he has been doing all he can to support efforts aimed at restoring peace as soon as possible. This guy is as corrupt as you can possibly be. Look up corrupt in the dictionary, and there's a photo of Roman Abramovich, in my humble opinion. So now a bunch of European officials are going, well, what's what's this all about? We have no idea. We don't know. What's he talking about? Obramovich has been Putin's right-hand guy for more than 20 years. He owned, uh, he said he was going to sell the London um, Chelsea Soccer Club. He has several mega yachts. He has palatial homes in the U.S. and the U.K., um, nobody's doing a thing. He's he's going along, living his life just like he did before. So why is Zelensky telling Biden in this unusual request to uh, don't target my friend Roman Abramovich? I'm sorry. There's just too there's too much of this going on. And it smells like a rat to me. 855-295-6600. Rick in uh, St. Cloud, Florida. Hello, Rick. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing good. What do you got today? Well, um, before the president starts making demands and talking tough, I think he needs to rehabilitate himself. And and how he could do that, I feel, is if he would dismiss Lloyd Austin and General Miley, who are, were both political generals when they were active duty. And well, they all are. Warrior general, they all are. Put a, put a warrior general in the, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs and find somebody who is a little bit more on the ball for Secretary of Defense. And... That would send a clear message to Russia that maybe Biden has the gumption to back up his words. I don't. Why? Why are you upset with uh, Lloyd Austin? I mean, he was a a good general. I mean, he he's, he follows the commander. He, he's yes, sir. When the commander says we're not going to do this, then yes, sir. Why? Why are you upset with him? Because they're all well, political. Not- you know that, Rick. You know that. Right. You know you cannot get, right. in the military ranks, you can get promoted based upon a lot of different stuff, all the way up to colonel, up to an 09. But to get that first star, you have to be sponsored by somebody in Congress. It, they're all political appointees, every general in the military, every one of them. Well, I, I understand that. That's not my point. I mean, some of them, like, take Petraeus. When he was active duty, he was an yep. innovative thinker. I mean, I'm sure he had political, political skills as well, but he was a strategist. Austin wasn't. Austin, when he had command of CENTCOM, just followed whatever the playbook of his predecessor was. Uh, I see where you're going. I see. Okay. 
And All right. Before I leave, I, I want to thank you for something. What's been staying in the right hand lane at night? If you couldn't see yeah. the head, the daylight, the, I I followed that religiously. In the late nineties, I had a cargo risen by me the wrong way on my fast lane. He thought he was in the slow lane, and I thought, yeah. Boy, Tom Sullivan yeah. saved me today. You know, Rick, <laughs> I. You. I um... I, I appreciate I appreciate you you saying that. Thank you. I've had um, I get probably emails. I don't know, not a lot, but maybe four or five a year of people saying exactly what you're saying is. I heard your program about the drunk drivers on the wrong way. They're always in the fast lane and don't drive there at night. Um, and uh, I, and a car went whizzing by, and so I, I um, my life was saved. I, it, it's, I'm glad to hear that. I am so happy to hear that uh, you took that goofy radio advice, but it's, it's, it's based on solid background that I had in, in the highway patrolman, uh, and that you're here today to share it. So thank you, Rick. I appreciate that very much. Um, we got to take a break. Yeah, the drunk driving story, I, I do it every year at the end of the year, but I should do it more. Because the wrong way drivers on, on interstate highways are almost always in the fast lane. 